May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. So can you all hear me okay? Even the people in the back? Okay, I'll try and speak up. So last weekend, uh, I was not here. I was in Minnesota, and uh, it was was really high humidity, and it was very warm. But I understand it was like 120 here, so I'm not quite sure. You know, humidity, high heat, um, I'm not sure which one's better, but it's good to be here today. So I was in Minnesota last weekend for the triennial uh, conference of the Association of Episcopal Deacons. And deacons from all over the country, uh, including Canada, gathered to pray and to learn from each other. And then with the idea is that we will come back to our individual churches and our communities inspired and ready to do the work we have been given to do. So our uh, celebrant and preacher for our opening Eucharist was the presiding bishop, Michael Curry, and the bishop of Connecticut, uh, Ian Douglas, was one of the speakers. And for those of you who have heard either of these men, there's a decided difference in in how they uh, speak and present themselves. Bishop Curry, you will love listening to him. He preaches as if he was raised up in an old-fashioned Baptist tent revival. He's charismatic and he's commanding in his preaching. He's constantly moving around and the hands are always going. His arms wave around. He He paces around. He would not be contained very well in this pulpit, I can tell you that. He also uses his voice as an instrument. And it keeps your absolute total attention and your total involvement in that moment that he is speaking. His words and his personality are compelling. And when you're listening, you are involved and you're engaged. And throughout his sermon, people are responding with laughter and applause and amens and alleluias. It was so unepiscopalian. But Bishop Douglas was the next person who spoke. And prior to becoming the Bishop of Connecticut, he was a professor of missiology, uh, teaching on the mission of the church. He speaks calmly, and he speaks with authority. He is incredibly interesting, and he was thought-provoking. But no one had the urge to interject amens and alleluias as he was speaking. And yet they were both giving the exact same message. Different personalities, different style of speaking, different word usages, but a message that resonated with everyone present. They spoke about the mission of God in the world today and how we, you and I, are called to respond in our churches and in our communities. They reminded us that our baptismal vows have marked us as Christ's own and called us into a way of life that may not always be comfortable or easy, 
but it's a way of life of incredible love and incredible joy. And it was a timely message in light of the recent events in our country, events that are having a profound impact on each one of us and in our communal conversations. And today's gospel is bringing us a similar message. Jesus has set his face to go to Jerusalem, and as he begins his journey, there's a real sense of urgency and purpose. He's teaching his disciples and us what it means to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, that this journey may not be easy or for the faint of heart. We've been transformed by the redemptive love of God, as the dean so eloquently reminded us last week. And we are being called to a new way of life in Jesus, a life that rejects violence and embraces the radical love of God and the radical hospitality that is so offered so freely to you and to me. The events in Orlando the sheer enormity of of the tragedy, which you and I are still grappling with, coupled with the wisdom from Bishops Curry and Douglas and from the Dean, have really pushed me to reflect and reflect and reflect on the following questions. What does it look like as a follower of Jesus and knowing I am a beloved child of God. What difference does it make? What difference does it make in my life? What difference does it make in my community? What difference does it make to those I encounter on a daily basis? What does following Jesus look like in your life? What difference does it make? What difference does it make here in the cathedral and in our community? How do others outside these great doors see us? Does it see the cathedral community as followers of a way of radical love and radical hospitality to all of God's children? And would people even notice if we simply locked the doors and moved away? Verna Dozier, my favorite lay theologian, And if you haven't read her book, Dream of God, I highly recommend it to you. Writes, don't tell me what you believe. Tell me what difference it makes that you believe. And that's the question for today, isn't it? It's the question for you. It's a question for me. And in our life together as a cathedral community. And maybe these are questions that we should wrestle with together. In the Acts of the Apostles, Jesus tells the disciples, you will receive the power, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses, a witness both in words and deeds, words of deeds of compassion and love and justice. Our witness matters. Every day it matters. And it matters today more than ever. 
as we listen to our politicians and our fellow citizens debate over bathrooms and guns and legalized discrimination in the name of religious freedom, along with issues of racism and sexism and xenophobia and homophobia, stoking our fear of the stranger. All of this is playing out in our public and in our political life. Powerful and hurtful issues where the words used and the actions taken divide us from each other. And we just watched an entire nation tear itself apart over fears of scarcity and fear of the other with repercussions for all of us. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Paul is not telling us that we are free from each other, nor are we free from relationships with each other. If anything, he is telling us that we are free to love one another, to love our neighbors as ourselves, whoever our neighbor might be, whatever race, religion, sexual identity, the poor, the hungry, those in prison, those who are marginalized or isolated. We are called to follow Jesus in his way of love with compassion and with justice. In Christ's perfect love, we have been set free to love more fully and more completely. Paul, in our gospel lesson today, remind us that when Jesus becomes the center of our lives, we can do more and be more in our own lives, in our churches, and in our communities. We have been given the freedom to love and to serve and to participate fully in God's mission right here, right now. For you... We're called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And guess what? We don't get to pick and choose who those neighbors are. And here's the thing with freedom. It can be a little bit overwhelming. It can be a little scary. It's a scary world out there, and there's some scary people. People who don't look like me or behave like me. Their religion may not be the same. We tend to be afraid of what we don't know or we don't understand. We may isolate or demonize those who are different to protect ourselves from our fears. We can and we must choose the freedom that has been given to us by following Jesus, keeping Christ in the center of our lives and our community. So let us choose wisely. We are called to serve We are called to love. In our baptismal vows, we committed ourselves and our very lives to the mission of God, 
through prayer, through repentance, through proclaiming the good news, and through response to human needs in service and in justice, we are called to a ministry in the world. Bernadotte writes, the call to be a citizen in the kingdom of God in a new way, the daring, free, accepting, compassionate way Jesus modeled. It means being bound by no yesterday, fearing no tomorrow, drawing no lines between friend and foe, the acceptable ones and the outcasts. Ministry is commitment to the dream of God. My friends, in the shadow of Orlando, let us commit our lives and our hearts to each other and our neighbors and to the ministry of God. Jesus set his face to Jerusalem, the center of Jewish faith and the Roman authorities, knowing that his journey would result in his arrest and his crucifixion. His mission was set. There's no turning back. He will model for the world and for us what it means to live into the kingdom of God, showing us each way, each step of the way, how to live and how to love fearlessly and fully with compassion and with love and justice toward one another. Paul reminds us in the second letter of the Corinthians that we are ambassadors for Christ, and God is making his appeal through us. We are God's hands and feet on the earth, right here, right now. Never let us forget that. We are the people of God. You and I. And we are committed to God's mission here on earth. We have been baptized and sealed as Christ's own. We, we are the church, you and I. And together, we are capable and we have the capacity to change the world through our words and by our actions and with our love. Amen.